0: Welcome, welcome to the Encourage Project. I'm Amy Fairchild and I am having such a hard time containing myself today because my friend Barbie Berg is with me today and oh my gosh, y'all everyone needs a friend who no matter what you do, no matter how badly you screw up, no matter no matter how much you succeed, no matter how. Icky you look after three days cooped up in an apartment in a blizzard. No matter. Everyone needs a friend like that. And Barbie and I have been friends close to 20 years. And I'm so excited for her to share her journey to, to greatness with you all today. It fills me with joy to see people that I know and love go and do things that they love. And that's part of what the Encourage Project is all about, is sharing stories of people where you can kind of go, huh, maybe I could do something like that too. So before we dive into that, wherever you're listening to us, whatever platform you're listening to, hit subscribe. The Encourage Project community is growing all the time and everyone is welcome. And if you love what you hear today, give us a review, give us feedback, send us some comments and share the episode with others, share the podcast with others. We, we want to share the love. And also, I want to thank a listener in Australia. You guys, the Encourage Project is international. I got the best email yesterday from a woman in Australia who said she found the Encourage Project by doing a search on encouraging talks. And it just made my day. I I read her email and I was in tears. I called my mom. I'm like, mom, you won't believe it. (laughs) I got an email from a woman in Australia so much love to Julie. Thank you so much for your email, and I'm so grateful that the Encourage Project is reaching beyond the United States and it's reaching out to people who are interested and, and need to to connect with our community. I'm so so grateful. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the Encourage Project World to my dear friend Barbie Berg, who is the creative director of the Modest Bridal Collection by Barbie, and it's coming to stores in January of 2021. And I could not be more freaking proud of this woman. So welcome. Welcome, my friend. It's so good to see you. I can see her. You guys can't see her. We're on video. I can see you. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Hello. Hi.
0: <laughs> you look just beautiful. You just radiate. And I'm so excited to see you.
1: I have to tell everyone that I wish that I I thought that we were like recording like video so I put mess up And I got my good lighting now. And then I get there and she's like, yeah, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so I look Oops. lovely for Amy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you look beautiful. So oh I want to hear about your dream job. I want to hear, tell people what it is that your job is. It is the coolest thing.
1: <laughs> it is the weirdest thing to like, I know people are always like, how did you get into this job? Like, okay, so here's the basics. I am, I've decided to give myself the title because I can do that, uh, creative director for my own bridal line. So what I do is I design it, I sell it to stores. I'm a wholesaler, so I don't sell directly to brides. So I sell to stores, I do all the marketing, I'm in charge of all the photo shoots. It's literally my baby. It really is my dream job, but it's kind of my dream job I never really truly knew that I wanted, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It evolved and I literally just kind of stumbled into it. I do a lot of speaking especially to youth. I do a lot of speaking to teenagers and stuff. And they always come and ask me, they're like, where'd you get your degree? Oh, I don't have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> where did you study design? I didn't study design. And I feel bad because I think it's very programmed into a lot of our heads that you figure out what you want to do, you go get a special degree for it and you go into it. And I am not a huge believer in that. Um, I'm not saying that college is bad. That is not what I am saying at all. But I know too many people that have gone to college who have studied, whatever, even just generals come out with 50 plus thousand dollars in debt and get a same job that I got doing the exact same thing. And I'm probably making more money because I have more experience. And so I believe if you want to go to college, you want to get a master's, do it, pursue it, but don't feel like you have to have that to do what you want to do. So- Making a lot of hate back for that, but that's okay. No,
0: no, I think that's beautiful. I think, I do think young folks today feel pressure to pursue the path of college. Mm-hmm. And I think it's phenomenal to be exposed to. Folks like you and folks like me, frankly, I didn't get my college education. I didn't graduate from college until I was 46 years old. Yeah.
1: So college is not the only path. It's weird because you're 32.
0: (laughs) I'm 32. Yeah, I'm so young. Um, But I, I do think there's a lot of pressure for kids to, not kids, I don't mean that demeaning way, but for young folks to feel compelled to go to college. And there are a lot of really, really amazing alternatives. Yes. So you are in like control of this line of bridal wear. Yep. It's your dream job. And before that, you had worked for a a very common household, big name bridal company. I did. And what got you interested in weddings and bridal in the first place?
1: So we have to go back quite a bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have been obsessed with wedding dresses in particular, gowns especially, but wedding dresses in particular, since I was two years old. We have photos of me when I was four years old and I used to take my mom's um, silk nightgowns and I would take safety pins and pin them in different ways. And then I'd stand in the hallway looking very, very, <laughs> do these she, she. Yes. Uh, very angry, I'm so hungry model look. And I have loved it. I remember, I have all these memories growing up of watching The King and I. The King and I was my jam because of the dresses. That is all I remember about it. And thinking Newell Brenner was super hot at six years old. <laughs> um <laughs> So dresses have always been my dream. I love them, but never in a million years did I think, oh, you should go to school to design them or do any of that stuff. I used to work in my dad's dental office for since I was like eight years old. I would answer phones, I would do whatever, and I did his billing, and I learned that I also loved account- the accounting side. And so I did that for a really long time, like 10 years or whatever. And then I got a job at a corporate travel agency where I met Miss Amy mm-hmm. and I was doing, it was a lot of data processing, but I really loved it. And I kind of got into that routine of doing the corporate job. And I did that for about 13 years. And I'd stay with a company for about four or five years. And then it would just, you just need to move on. And it was hard because so much of inside of me was like, I don't love this. But why don't I love this? And, and my family is very much not the same as me. And they're like, no, you find a good job and you stay at it and you get promoted. And that's what you do. And you show up on time. And I am not good at being on time. Because I'm a creative and we, it's almost like physically impossible for me not to be five minutes late to things. I'm really trying, but I have had jobs that I got fired from because they're like, well, you're consistently five minutes late where I literally was doing double the workload of anyone else. Cause I would get to work and I would work my tail off and I loved it, but they're like, we just can't have you because you're five minutes late. So it really started to teach me like, A, corporate America is not where I belong. And just because you're working hard doesn't mean anything because it's these other things that don't mean anything to me. Their values are just different than mine. Not saying they're right or wrong, but it's just not where I was supposed to be. So I have always loved weddings. I've always loved them. I always loved wedding dresses. And I had started doing just kind of on the side, helping with wedding planning and things like that. And then Miss Amy, when she got married, she had me go wedding dress shopping with her. And we had the most horrible, horrendous experience I have ever had to this day <laughs> at one of the stores that we went to. It was awful, just awful. And we can go into that on another, on another time. And I was so upset because I said, no bride should ever be made to feel that way. Never. And there was a story that I'd gotten to know. We went there and we ended up finding the most amazing wedding dress for her. It was absolutely incredible. And It was really then that I was like, I want to work with brides. I love the dress part. Seeing them when they try on that dress is like the most amazing experience. So that had happened. I don't even remember what year that was. That was 2008. 2008. Yeah. So I had been following this company in Salt Lake City called Latter-day Bride. And so I'm Mormon, just to put that out there. In case you're like, why is she always talking about modest? And Mormons tend to dress very modestly. It's kind of like our staple and there was this store called Latter-day Bride and they had made their own magazine every year and I loved their website and I just followed them because I'm like oh my gosh this is my dream this is it so not to get I don't like to get super spiritual or anything but it was in the year 2012 and I woke up one morning with the overwhelming feeling that I was supposed to move to Utah and people that are not from Utah do not want to move to Utah (laughs) (laughs) I literally said, nope, that's not going to happen. So whatever you believe that was, God, whatever. But for me, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And it was every day for five months. You're supposed to move to Utah. And I'm like, no, I'm not moving to Utah. Absolutely not. So everything in my life just kind of, it wasn't going bad. It just wasn't progressing. Like jobs weren't progressing. I was currently looking for a new job. I was doing temp work for a while. Couldn't find a job that I liked relationships weren't working out. Nothing felt right. And so finally I was talking to my best friend and I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to move to Utah. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to move to Utah too. And I don't want to. And I was like, fine, let's do it. So as soon as we both decided that we were supposed to move to Utah, of course, everything falls into place. So I decide to send an email to Latter-day Bride to the owner. And I said, I've been following your magazine for years. I absolutely adore it. I have corporate background, but I don't have design experience. I don't have a lot of sales experience, but I will do anything to work at your company. I was like, I will wash toilets. I don't care. So they thought I was a nut job. And so I drove out for an interview. The interview was supposed to be 20 minutes. It ended up lasting three hours because me and the owner just vibed. We just clicked. And she was like, I'm not hiring right now. So let me figure out what I want to do. So she created a position for me and that position evolved and it started social media. And every time I just wanted to learn more and I wanted to learn more. And so she put me in charge, like she taught me how to do photo shoots and she taught me how to do the back end of the website. And she, she allowed me to grow. And one of the things that I really liked was that she was not a manager. A lot of management, a lot of managers sit there and say, here's what you aren't good at. So let's work at that. Instead of saying, here's what you're great at. And this other person over here is good at what you're bad at. So let's take all that bad stuff that you do, give that to that person. And let's take all the good stuff you do and focus on it. I think that's a huge problem that most managers, they try to make your bad stuff better instead of letting your great stuff just explode. She was really good at that. And she was like, wow, you're really good at this. Let's teach you how to do this. And she Over the course of four years, she really trusted me. And my dream at the time was like, I'm going to own this company one day. It was an actual store. And I was like, this is going to happen. This is what I want. And in the last year, things weren't going great. We weren't vibing is really the best way to put it. And I should have left and I didn't end up leaving on my own accord. And I look back at it and I'm like, you know what? I should have listened to my gut, but it's okay. It ended not well, unfortunately. I have nothing but respect for them and everything, but hey, time to move on. So I was kind of sitting around going, well, what the crap am I supposed to do now? Like that dream that I had is is gone. What am I supposed to do? And so I kind of heard through a few people that this company, and I'll just say it was Monterey, they, uh it was a bridal company and they were thinking about doing a modest line. So modest dresses are mostly for Mormons, evangelicals sometimes Southern Baptists, you'll get a lot of Mennonites. So people that have really the stricter modesty standards, but they're not like Muslim where it has to be all the way up. So they're looking for a little bit more fashion forward. So again, like I did with my last job, I decided to send an email to the CEO. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> Just go to the top. apparently
1: that's how you get jobs. And <laughs> so I sent an email and I said, hey, would you be interested in having me consult? What would you want? Like, I here's my qualifications. And I had at my last job, I had 15 people write me letters of recommendation because I was like, you know what? I'm going to need these. Always get letters of recommendation. They will speak stronger for you than just about anything you can imagine. I sent it to him and he's like, well, what happened with your last job? And I'm like, you know what? It didn't work out. Here's what happened. But here's all these letters of recommendation of people saying what they think I have to offer. The company's in New Jersey. So they ended up flying me out to New Jersey. And it's funny because I joke because I don't think any of them had ever even seen a Mormon before, let alone met one. And (laughs) here I am, this blonde perky thing coming to the East Coast. And they're like, this girl is on drugs. What is going on? And so they flew me out and it was this great experience. And I met with him and I met with their sales director. And I was like, well, this is what I would do. And so like 10 minutes in, he's like, okay, so we're going to put you in charge of the line and that's what's going to happen. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? I was like, what are you talking about? And so what I am is what I call a redesigner. I take, I look at dresses that already exist and I take elements from them. And then I have a, a dre- drawing made and I have that sent to the factory and they make a prototype for me and they make the dresses. So I did that with Cheri for four years. Yeah.
0: So wait to clarify what you do that you may take something that's not necessarily considered modest and you would take the elements that you think are really beautiful and fashionable and you would modify them to be more modest. And then you have them manufactured or a sample created. Right. Correct.
1: So, Got it. So I would look at the other lines that they had and sometimes it would be from prom. Sometimes it would be from mother of the bride. And I would look and I'd be like, that lace is amazing. That shape is amazing on this dress, the sleeve on this dress. And I cannot draw, like it'd be a sad little stick figure. So I actually have a friend who understands how my brain works, hallelujah. And she will draw the dress for me and we would send it to the factory with specifications and they'd make the dress for me. So we'd put together a line twice a year and it did really well. Within two years, less than two years, it was the number one selling modest line in the country. And I think it's because I'm passionate about it. And I love it. This isn't just like, I'm going to make money off this. It's like, oh my gosh, look at these brides who need a dress that's modest. When you're looking for something that has those specifications, it is almost impossible to find. It is so hard. Unfortunately, COVID happened and they started shutting everything down in March. And because headquarters is in New Jersey, they really got shut down. So they laid off a ton of their staff And it was with the hope that I'd come back, but, um, really it just didn't work out. Like, I don't think they're able to bring anybody back, but they're still running as a company. They have other amazing lines. So I had been talking to this company and they're a much smaller private line, which means that they don't advertise. They just let the stores do their advertising for them. And they were like, we'd love for you to do a modest line for us. And I was like, well, Okay, let me look at this. And it's a different pay structure. And so, a lot of scary things like I'm going to be a commission employee, which is completely different, which means nobody's taking out my taxes for me, Uh, health insurance on my own, you know, all these things that, and it also means that I'm not going to get paid until the dresses are in store, which means several months where I'm like, huh? (laughs) I don't have any money. (laughs) So, actually, having COVID happen ended up being the biggest blessing ever because for a few months I was on unemployment. And I was able to just tuck that money away, like any extra they gave, I tucked that money away. And so now I'm with this new company and I'm doing the same thing. I'm taking elements from certain dresses and I'm making my own line. But now because I have a reputation in the industry and stores know me and they know that I know modest and I love this and I know the bride, I am Mormon, I get it. The stores are jumping on board and they're excited. And so that's the next step. It's terrifying, <laughs>
0: but oh my gosh. So that in
1: a long story is how I got into my business. I'm sorry, that it's so long. <laughs> feel free to edit that down.
0: We're not editing it, but I, I love, there's so many things that I love about your story. There are two things in particular that I want to talk more about. The first is when you decided to move to Utah. So one of the things that, that I've shared on a previous episode, um, in fact, it was how I came to pursue the encourage project, it came to me in a dream, which is, sounds so bizarre, but it did. One of the things that I that I often encourage people to do is to get in quiet and listen to the signs or the or the messages that the universe or God or whatever is your spiritual connection is trying to send you. And oftentimes, we know that there is something that should happen, and we're nope. like, "Oh no, uh, nope, I'm not listening. I don't believe it. I'm not listening." And, and just like you described, and I loved hearing this, when you listened to what was right for you, all the other things started to fall in place. And there's all kinds of explanations for why that, that could have occurred that way. But I have experienced the same thing. When I listen to what I know in my body and soul is right for me, all the other things start falling into place. That's one thing that I love about your story. The other thing I love about your story is that you don't have a design background. You don't don't technically have a college education. You don't have um, or didn't in the beginning have experience. And the way you got that experience was, frankly, by asking for it. You know, oftentimes people will say to me, well, you know, the opportunities just haven't presented themselves. And my question always is, what opportunities have you encouraged to come your way? Yeah. How many people have you reached out to? How many people have you networked with? How many people have you introduced yourself to? Because you're at a party with them and they're doing something cool that you might be interested in, you know. Yes, I believe that the universe and, and and those things bring us opportunities, and I also believe it is incumbent upon us when we want to do something different and something unknown to kind of extend an olive branch to the universe and say, "Hey, I'll, I'll go, I'll go turn over some rocks if you'll show me something." Right. So I love, I love. You're like, I'm just going to email the CEO. Let's just go to the top. <laughs> I absolutely love that about you. I love it.
1: Well, thank oh, you.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. I'm so, first of, all, and I need to say this if I haven't said it already. I'm so thank proud you. of you. I'm so ridiculously proud of you. Barbie mentioned that we've been friends almost 20 years, and our friendship in the beginning was very much one based on partying <laughs> and <laughs> and young single women having yeah. fun is what that was based on. <laughs> yes. So we both have grown a lot in 20 years.
1: We're growing ups now.
0: Um, kind of <laughs> we're both we're both single and yep. still fun but we're yep. going up
1: <laughs> it's just how it is now you, you know have to pay bills and all that that's right,
0: that's right pay mortgages it's yep true. so yeah. it didn't sound like you had a perfect plan when no, you started I don't
1: th- does anybody like mm. honestly one of the things that I like to read about is I read an article a really long time ago, and I wish I could quote it, but it talked about how sometimes companies need to hire a CEO that knows how to fail, because until you know how to fail, you have a very one-track kind of understanding of things. But until you have failed and failed hard, (laughs) you really don't understand, and you also don't understand that you will survive through it. And so Mm. I never have a perfect plan. I never have any idea. And it's always actually with me. Now, this is just a Barbie thing. This is not an everybody thing. But for me, I found when I push for something too hard and it's something that I'm like, no, but I want it. Even though my gut's like, are you? do you really want it? Or is this just something that you think you want? As soon as I start pushing for it too hard, that's when things kind of explode and go not really well. So I have to take a step back and just kind of put it out there, call it the universe, call it God, whatever you want to do. For me, it's like, I just put it on in God and say, Hey, you show me the direction you want this to go. I think I want it to go this way, but am I right or am I wrong? And he really does guide me. Like, I literally feel like he took me from my first job in Utah and literally just picked me up and was like, Oh, okay. You're going to go here now. And now this job, he's picking me up and putting me in the next place. So it's not necessarily about having a perfect plan. It's just having a vague idea. That's my life motto. I have vague
0: ideas. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> see I love that so much because, and, and you demonstrated this beautifully in your story. And it's something that I've talked about before is it doesn't have to be a perfect plan. Yeah. You, you get a vague idea and you take a few steps and then you go, Oh, well, yeah, that was pretty good. Let's keep doing more of that. Or you go, eh, that didn't work out so good. I need to adjust. Yeah. And and I think oftentimes people get paralyzed by the thought of perfection, oh, yeah. they think that, holy smokes, my plan needs to be entirely rock solid before I take any action. And then they, they unfortunately spend a lot of precious time that they could have used learning to fail, yeah. as an example, that they could have used refining, wow. waiting on the perfect plan to come together before they begin. So yeah. I love that you didn't have a perfect plan. Well, like, it makes me happy. You
1: know, I really talk to people and I'm like, when I took the, ju- the decision to move to Utah, this was not a decision I made lightly. Like I am very open about the fact that I was not making great money. But at the time with no degree I was like I was making about $25 an hour. And I was like feeling good, doing great. And when I m- made that decision to move to Utah and was like okay, you got to make sure this works because guess how much I made an hour? $10 an hour at my
0: day. Wow. Cuz
1: guess what? Doesn't make a ton of money, wedding dress stores. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, please shop local businesses, people. But when I say that like it was me jumping into something blindly, it was. And I literally just had to have faith that it's going to work out and it's going to be okay and I never was in need of anything. I was okay.
0: Wow. So if you think about taking that that leap of faith, once you've done that, what skills or traits or qualities do you think helped you succeed in addition to being able to take that step out on faith. What do you think helped you succeed so far? You
1: know, one of the big things for me is being able to take a no is a big thing to learn. And so I'm someone that I will come up with a hundred ideas and some people refine this one idea and then they go and they show it to somebody. And if they say no, then it almost like devastates them. Again, I think it's better to have almost a vague idea and have a hundred vague ideas and then take it to your boss, take it to whoever my old boss at Latter-day Bride used to call me the most annoying but effective squeaky wheel she'd ever met. <laughs> Which is like, holy crap, you bring me so many ideas and you just kind of like, keep going and keep going. But out of those hundred ideas, 20 of them will work. 20 of them she'll say yes to. But if you really stopped and were like, oh, but 80, they said no to. Stop, push those to the side. Focus on what's going right. But learning to take a no or learning to take a, no but refine it in this way move it this way understanding where other people are coming from and really realizing that you do not have all the answers and it's okay to go to a mentor to go to somebody and listen to them because they're seeing it from a different point of view now if they're talking to you and saying this is not going to work because you suck in general that's a <laughs> mentor to have maybe let's go away from that person but if they're going to you and they're saying you know I like this plan. You need to focus more on the financials because financially it's not making sense. So maybe do A, B, and C. Some people will look at that and say, well, they said no. And so now my life is devastated. If I had done that, I would be still under a rock. for a while. <laughs> But it's really just a matter of, okay, that didn't work. Let's move to the next thing. The other thing is I think Yes, I'm awfully perky. I understand. Actually, I think my perkiness and my optimism comes as a negative in a lot of ways, especially when I worked with people on the East Coast. They all thought I was on drugs, <laughs> or was trying to. They all actually thought I was trying to scam them, which I thought was very interesting. That's wow. very much a northeastern mindset. But um, I love to work on a team. I love to see a team come together. And so, being okay with the circumstances you're given, like whether it's being alone, being on a team, being with one person learn to work with the people around you and that will take you further than you'd ever realize.
0: Wow. I really love what you said about getting okay with no. And it's interesting, Kenny Lamb, you know, multi-platinum producer songwriter that I interviewed my friends, Shayna and Dana from day Luna uh, that I interviewed everyone that I've talked to who has pursued with gusto, one of their human projects has said a version of the same thing mm-hmm. is that, no doesn't necessarily mean no. It may mean not right now. It may not mean it may mean not this option. It may mean, yeah, go reconsider. And I, I agree with you for me getting comfortable with no, it, it was difficult in the beginning. It was difficult because it can feel very personal. Yeah. It can feel like when you put an idea out there, it can feel like you've exposed some of yourself and you're being judged and it can feel uncomfortable. But when you can create some distance between that and some objectivity, and and not have so much ownership of idea, it it does open not only more courage, but it opens up more possibility. Oh yeah. When when someone says to you, "That's that's great," but that's not what I'm looking for, and they give you some feedback, what they're really saying to you is, "Hey, you're on a track. Yeah. Go 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 do some more work, and then maybe let's talk." Yeah. So I love that getting comfortable with no. And I love that you said about being okay working in whatever environment it is, with people, small teams, large teams, being okay. It can be challenging for folks who, particularly folks who, like you, are very social. Yeah. See, you and I are are polar opposites <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> While I, I am very social, I am an introvert. And I do not get my energy from being around people. <laughs> Like Barbie does. <laughs>
1: I do. Even this, I'm like filling up my tanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So there you go. That's the Barbie-isms for the day. You and I talked over the years as you were pursuing this. And I have to tell you, watching you grow into your greatness and watching you blossom and and just exude confidence in the things that you have pursued is just an extraordinary thing to get to witness as your friend. It, I mean, I'm just like in awe okay. every time I think about what you've done. I am, and I know that there were times in that journey where it had to have been really shitty. It had to have been really challenging. It yeah. had to have been really disheartening. And I'd love to know what are some of the things that kept you going. You know, what are the things that reminded you that that it could work.
1: I will say when I lost my job at Latter-day Bride, it was one of the most devastating times of my life. There, I mean, it, was, it felt like I was going through a divorce because everything I'd known, and that's all I'd known since I moved to Utah. That's where my friends were, that's where my boss was, that's where my job was, everything. And it felt like I had just been yanked and thrown into a gutter. It was really, so I have a dating coach, but I also call her my life coach. And she was one of the first people, I think she was the first person that I called. And I'm just hysterically crying. And she really just stopped me and said, you're going to need to take a few days and mourn, And that's okay. But she said, you need to understand. She said, I feel so overwhelmed right now that this is just the first step in another place. And kind of thinking back into my past, you really just have to look at life is almost like playing a game of bigger and better that sometimes you have to give up that thing that you really just clutch too desperately to get to the bigger and better. And so for some reason, having her just kind of helped me almost snap out of it a little, but having those support systems, having people around you that you can call. I know that's not quite the answer that you're probably looking for, but realizing that there are bigger and better things out there and it's okay to mourn them. That's my other thing is When things don't go the way that you want to, it's okay to mourn them and to grieve them and then to reevaluate and move forward.
0: I love that. I love that so much because I do think there is a notion, particularly in the United States, that the only feelings that are worthwhile feelings are happy feelings. Yeah. That if you're not positive, happy rainbows and unicorns all the time, then whatever you feel is invalid. And that's just not the case. Not the case and what i have found is when i take the time to do what you said when i take the time to to sometimes i wallow in self pity for a moment whatever it is right whatever it is but when i it when i take that time to let myself feel whatever it is i'm feeling badly about and and not judge myself and not say oh amy you need to snap out of it or oh amy you need to be positive cuz people think you're always optimistic when i get real with myself what i have found is i tend to Move forward faster. And I tend to actually feel more energetic when I'm finished. Yeah. It's not like I'm holding in all this stuff. Cause you know, like when you're holding in a sneeze, you're just like twitching because you don't want to let it come out. <laughs> That's kind of how bad feelings feel, right? <laughs> it's, it's like, don't let me sneeze. It's the same kind of thing. It can feel very like you're going to explode. Yeah.
1: Very smart and looks real weird. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awful. Yeah. So out, in an appropriate so, way,
0: in an appropriate way. Yes. Let the feelings out in an appropriate way. So I love, I love that so much that you ser- that you shared that. Was there ever a time when you honestly thought it's just not worth it? Oh, did right. you ever feel that way?
1: Really? All the time. <laughs> I have self-doubts like crazy. So unfortunately I am actually somebody as perky as I am, people find it very surprising. I have suffered from anxiety and depression my entire life. And I have the kind of depression that constantly sits there and says, nope, you're not doing great. Nobody likes you. See that person that's talking to you and telling you they like you. They're lying. They are lying right now. And so it's a constant daily thing. Like when I lost my job, it was so hard. And it was, I literally had the thought of like, well, it's not going to be worth it for me to do anything. Like I had some dark thoughts. They only lasted for a second, but it was, it was like, This isn't going to be worth it. Oh, I guess I just have to go back into accounting because that dream is dead. Where I didn't understand that the dream was evolving. And so you really have to, like I said, take the time to mourn, but also take a time to step back and evaluate and try to see a bigger picture rather than, oh, this one thing didn't work out in this exact way. You have to reevaluate and take a step back and go like never in a million years, never 15 years ago. Or even starting when I moved to Utah, never did I think I would be designing my own line of dresses. Never. That wasn't my goal, but mm-hmm. it evolved. It evolved into that. So, and now I, I love evolve.
0: that so much. Yeah. And
1: I'm like, oh, wow, that is my dream. So people are like, you have your dream job. I'm like, yep. The dream job I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> I <just laughs> <loved it. laughs> See, I just, oh,
0: that just makes me so happy. It just makes me so happy for you. It really does. Hey, You're welcome. Oh, okay. So we're switching gears just a little bit because I think other people want to know this. So I'm going to ask it. What's it really like at Fashion Week?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So
0: give me a day at Fashion Week.
1: I have not been to Fashion Week in New York, but I have been to Fashion Week in Paris.
0: Oh, what? Second best.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's rough. It's a really rough life that I have. So one thing that I will tell you about myself, someone told me this about me, and I think it describes me. I am not a collector of things. I am a collector of people. And I love having friends that are all over the place. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what sexual orientation you have. Like, Be my friend and let me learn about what you're passionate about. So one of my best friends is an incredible wedding photographer. And a few years ago, she called me and she's like, I think I'm going to start my own wedding magazine. And I'm like, really? But she loves couture. And Barbie is not a couture girl. Barbie is a Walmart wearing Crocs during the day girl. (laughs) Where I look pretty at times, where I come out as runway Barbie, and then I'm like, back in the sweats, here we go. (laughs) But she loves couture. So she decided to start her own magazine. And the main reason she wanted to start her magazine was A, to show beautiful things, but because she wanted to make contacts and be able to experience more amazing things in life. Because with a press pass, you can do a lot more cool things. So one of the things she wanted to do was she wanted to go to Paris Fashion Week. I decided to go with her one year. It's been like three or four years the first time I went. And we went to Haute Couture Fashion Week. So Haute Couture is more my style because it's not day wear. It is a lot of red carpet wear, but then it's a lot of almost like things you would never actually wear in a million years. They are art on a living body. So when we decided to go to Paris... I like to jump into things, not knowing anything, just, Hey, okay. We're going to go there. I don't know what I'm supposed to wear. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I try to just go in all black. It seems to be the easiest thing. And it's really kind of amazing. So these designers at Hokatour Week, they very rarely do they have two shows going on at once, but they all are throughout the day. And so they're at these different iconic places throughout Paris. and so of course, I can't remember the names of any of these places, but they're at these amazing buildings. So you go and you get these beautiful imitations in the mail, like handwritten imitations and you have to bring them with you and it's very exciting. I'm not gonna lie. I still have <laughs> I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you go and you kind of meander around for a little bit and look around and there's lots of photographers there and there's lots of very interesting fashion people. And so you go and you have specific seats. So you go and you find your seats. And then after a little bit, like the lights come down and it is truly an experience. Like a runway show, I have so much appreciation for them because I've done a few for myself and they are so much work and they are chaos backstage, chaos. But then you come outside and you're in the audience and the music is going and they're walking down and you see these gowns and this stuff in person. And it is so exhilarating. It is so exhilarating. It's the coolest experience I've ever had in my life. And so there you go. I don't know if that helps. So you go from like, so then you'll be at one place and then you have to jump in an Uber or a cab or something and you have to race over. Oh my gosh. I wish I knew the names of some of these places. Um, They did have one. I have never, I went there as a tourist, but um, in Versailles, they did a show in Versailles once and They do stuff right underneath the Eiffel Tower and it's just, you're just walking around and you're like, I can't believe that this is my life right now. And it's (laughs) a friend who has a press pass. So find friends that will get you into cool things that don't (laughs) exist.
0: Find friends. There you go. There you go. I just, I love hearing about Fashion Week and and some of the pictures that you, that you put up on Facebook and stuff were just ridiculous. They were ridiculous.
1: Yeah,
0: they were. Wow. Yeah amazing
1: amazing it really is and it's it's really truly okay i say i make dresses that is a big quote quote cuz i i don't sew i sewed a pillowcase once that's about as much as i do <laughs> but these people are hand sewing and designing and making their own patterns and the work that goes into it and then seeing it finalized it's like watching you know if you're involved in the movie process watching the whole thing and then getting to see that fi- the final movie on that screen it's really a work of art. And so I have so much appreciation for that. There you go. Wow. Paris is amazing. wow. Let's go to Paris.
0: I love that. So to kind of bring it all full circle, sure. you have this amazing Modest Bridal Collection by Barbie that's launching in January. And I'm just beyond thrilled for you. Thanks. And you had a very non-traditional path in pursuing the vision that you didn't really know was your dream until you got a little farther into it, which I, I just find fascinating and and delicious. And you have taken that and learned some really great lessons around, you know, getting comfortable with no and working with people and saying yes to opportunity and diving in. And those things can be scary for people who, who don't naturally lean that way. It's always amazing and wonderful to meet someone like you, who is an example of someone who can just dive in and, and do it. And I'm like, okay, Barbie did it. So that means it's possible. <laughs> so maybe I can do it. Right. So, <laughs> and, and honestly, the way you approach things in that regard is one of the things, frankly, that inspired me to jump off the cliff with the Encourage project. It really is. I love that about you.
1: Um, You're so good. It's
0: true. It's true. Kind of bringing that all full circle. What advice would you give someone who's about to pursue their own human project, their own dream, their own vision, and they're about to put that emotion? motion? What, what one or two pieces of advice would you really want to, to offer folks?
1: The big thing is be okay with saying no. The other thing I've really had to learn in the last couple of years is it's okay that your path is different than other people's path and that's okay. And how you get there is going to be completely different. Because like I said, I come from a family that I adore and love. And they have very great worth ethics. And they are so happy to be at a job and stay there for a while and, and do that. And I was like, I can't do the nine to five. And I kept trying to push myself into this box for so long and was so uncomfortable. And now that I'm not in it anymore, I'm like, it's okay that my path is different. And we can appreciate everybody else's I hate the word journey. I hate it. Cause I don't like when people talk like they're self-help books. So <laughs> it drives me bonkers. So I will not say that word, but their <laughs> path to their end destination is going to be different. And their destination is going to be different than yours. And that's okay. Cause we all are here to build this intertwined woven masterpiece at the end of it. And so my other piece of advice is something I got from someone several years ago. And is my favorite advice I've ever gotten is the 80-20 rule. Do you know the 80-20 rule? I do. Yep. So no matter what you do, 80% of the people are going to like it. And 20% of the people are not going to like it. And if you adjust yourself to make those 20% of those people happy... A different 20% of people are happy and you're never, ever, ever, no matter what you do, going to make 100% of people happy. So it's kind of like when you post something online and you get comments, you could get a thousand great comments and you'll get one negative comment and that's all you'll ever think about. It's a matter of changing your mindset and saying, it's okay that it doesn't make that person happy. I am okay that I'm not going to make 20% of people happy, no matter what I do. And sometimes it's 60-40. Sometimes it's 40, 60, <laughs> no, and That's okay. because you just have to make yourself happy and you have to stop and listen to things. Obviously, if you're doing really bad things and people are coming to you saying, hey, you're being very self-destructive, stop, take a step back. But we're talking about like, I'm going to pick up and move to Utah. Some people might think that's self-destructive. It was the best thing I ever did. So my family was like, you're nuts. And then a year and a half ago, they all moved here. I'm like, haha. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Really. My other thing is, you know, it goes along with, don't be afraid of saying no, just ask, just ask what's the worst. Someone could say is no, I'm interested in learning how to bake, or I would love to be a baker. And I don't know what goes into that. Well, is there a store that you really like go contact the owner? Hey, could I come shadow you for a day and just see what goes into this? What's the worst they're going to say? No, I don't want you to do that. Okay. Move on with life. Well, what's the best that could happen? Just think of all the wonderful things that could happen from that, that you could go, oh, I didn't know that there was so much of the back end business or the overhead that goes into things and blah, blah, blah. And you might adjust your path or you might steamroll into the future. You just never know.
0: I love you, my friend.
1: I love you.
0: (laughs) You are amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time today. I Thank love you. hearing your story and, and I love seeing your happy face. I wish everyone else could see your face right now. You are beautiful and wonderful and I'm so happy you're my friend.
1: I love you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. I have to give a little shout out to Amy because I have always admired Amy. Like she, I always say that like she is my classy friend. She is my <laughs> friend that has her head on her shoulders and she laughs every time I say it, which I think is funny. But she is, I have always looked up to you. You have always been a mentor to me. And I'm going to tell the story really fast. And then I promise we'll stop. Do you remember the first time we ever spoke when we worked at the travel agency? No. Okay. (laughs) Don't. So because I don't like to be confined to one job, I was doing the data entry there. And they needed somebody that would come upstairs and relieve the receptionist while she was on lunch. And so I would come up and do it because shocker, I like to say hi to people. So I would buzz the door for people to come in. So every day people are coming in. I'm saying, hi, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'd noticed Amy a few times before. And one day she comes up to me and she says, you are just so nice and so friendly. And I, something about like, you admire it so much or something. And of course your natural reaction, a lot of us is to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not great, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of stopped for a minute and you got really quiet and you finally said, you don't know how hard that was for me to pay you a compliment. So please take it. And it made me stop and go, holy crap. I am so like, I don't even think about other people and how it may have been hard because Amy was kind of shy. She's kind of a quiet introvert person. Yep. And I give that advice to people constantly, constantly that Mm -hmm. you don't realize how hard it may have been for somebody to say something to you. So take it. So there you go. So Amy is wonderful and amazing and this project they are doing is so unbelievable. When she told me about it a couple months ago, it was like my soul was like, "Yes! <laughs>
0: we to do <see> this." <laughs> you are so sweet. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And for the encourage project community, I will tell you, I didn't remember that story, but it is something that I say to people frequently mm-hmm. in terms of people whatever for whatever reason, you know, We've decided that it's it's better to downplay ourselves when we receive a compliment than it is to be gracious. Yeah. And you never know what it took for a person to open their mouths, to even say hi to you or give you a compliment. And, yeah. and I look at those things as a gift. I would never take a gift from someone and scrunch it up and throw it on the floor. And by not accepting a compliment, oftentimes we do the exact same thing. We're scrunching up a gift that someone has given us and we're saying, bah, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's so, oh, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. I used to be really, really, really shy. Like (laughs) really shy. I'm still kind of shy, but (laughs) kind of shy. So for those in the community, what action can you take today? And I would encourage you to consider asking yourself what opportunities you can create. Oftentimes we feel like we're at the mercy of the universe to provide us an opportunity and we forget that we can actually go create them. So what opportunity can you create today? What action can you take by creating an opportunity for yourself and your human project today? And then take some time to reflect. You know, Barbie had some phenomenal nuggets in today's episode. <laughs> and I would encourage you to take some time to reflect on your ahas, oh no's, and yippies. And as always, send me a message. Like Julie in Australia, send me a message to hello at the encourageproject.com. I love hearing from you and I love celebrating you. And I love answering questions and connecting with the community. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. And uh, like I said, send me an email to hello at the So that's it for this edition. Thanks to my friend, Barbie Berg, creative director, of the modest bridal collection by Barbie coming to stores in January. And I wish you all a wonderful day. Be safe, be kind and take care.